Welcome to the Wizards of Drivel podcast. My name is David Cowdleshot and I'm joined by Chris Brammer. Hello Dave, how are you? Shite. But I'm I'm better I'm better now slightly because it's a long overdue return for Ben Cartwright. How are you doing, Ben? Hello. Yes, I'm well, thank you. Um I've just got off work, so I'm here still at my place of work. Haven't eaten since about oh eleven o'clock when I had some leftover chips you know like the long salt and vinegar sticks of crisp a favorite of mine there weren't too many in the pack left but i I ate them up and and it's now what nearly eight hours later um and i'm very hungry and i've got a beer in hand and it's going to be a great podcast (laughs) ben Ben is (laughs) ben could be completely gone by halfway through so stay tuned for this this could be an interesting one um oh yeah yeah so just if you if you want it is to be if you want like a happier podcast i'd say maybe listen to the last episode not because ben wasn't on it but because <laughs> i think we were just more generally no because of that yeah maybe uh, we were just generally more upbeat about you know football coming back and stuff uh, and it turns I out i did listen to it today it turns out <laughs> you were all very happy football's crap uh, and we'd all forgotten over the summer just how crap football is um <laughs> So we will address uh, Stokes' opening game of the season, but uh, I think for the sake of our collective sanity, we'll start with one positive each. So Ben, you uh, watched the game yesterday. What positive would you take out from the game? Um, one positive for my personal sanity was the fact that I was watching it um, on the riverbank of the Thames, um, lying down on the grass and having a lovely old time as the time flew by for 90 minutes. Um, one positive from the actual performance of Stoke City, um, I'm going to say, I think there were little moments where Sam Klukas and, and Nick Powell were involved in the ball and there was a couple of moments where I thought, this is the sort of triangle-based football that I expected for like 90 minutes with Nathan Jones. I thought Sam Klukas had a lot of sort of bad moments last season and obviously Powell has come in and, and someone we're quite excited about. It wasn't the perfect performance but no one had a good performance so I think it'd be difficult to say um, pick out one player but I think just those moments of oh they've moved the ball well there, they've got into an attacking area there and there's an opportunity for a cross or whatever um, obviously there was a lot of uh, drivel in between those fleeting moments but, um, mm. but yeah that'd be my pick I think Chris how about you? I think the positive for me has got to be the performance of Nathan Collins. Um, I know that the the high the, the glaring thing is that his mistake for uh, QPR's second goal. Um, but you know there was three other high profile mistakes in the build up to that goal. Um, and I think if, if uh, for a, a kid making essentially 
he, it was his first start, wasn't it, for us? Yes. Yeah. His yeah. first start, yeah. I thought he, that aside, looked like uh, a player 10 years his senior. Uh, there, are, there are players who have had more illustrious careers who will make that same mistake. Um, Nathan Collin, you can shove that down to inexperience with him. He looked a fantastic player. And I think that that, sort of, that type of mistake is something that you put down to experience and something that you learn from. And, and my goodness me, uh, the rest of his performance, I thought he looked wonderful. He was commanding players around who are senior pros. I mean, he is a senior pro, I get that. But he was telling people what position they needed to be in. Um, I, I thought he looked looked the real deal, and I have like confidence in him being a backup defender. Uh, no doubt. My positive would be that kind of as bad as it was, we can still point to elements of bad luck uh, at play yeah. in the in shaping the overall result. Um, like Butland's error being the the obvious one. Uh, I thought up until that point, so for a whole seven minutes, I thought we were well on top. Yeah. Um, you, you you can't really legislate for that eight minutes into your season that Jack Butland's just going to go for a little wander, uh, unsupervised, and then do that. Uh, we did miss a, an, an open goal right at the end. We probably should have had a penalty. Not that that matters for anything now. Uh, and we did create chances towards the end. And... Really, those were QPR's only two clear-cut chances as well. So, yeah, this isn't uh, the excuse podcast, but just kind of throw that out there as a slight bit of balance before we go on to what was bad about the game because there were many, many things that went wrong. So I think the kind of big debate that's come out of this game is, oh, shit. What if the diamond is actually really bad and we've invested our whole summer, this whole manager signed seven players, all for this system, but what if the system is actually quite bad? Uh, Chris, what are your thoughts on this? I think it's ludicrous. Absolutely ludicrous. I think to to write off a system of play based on one game is devoid of all all logic completely. I think that... It was a, a a terrible, terrible performance. But the performance is not um, is not reflective of of a of a system. The the a, a diamond formation is not inherently oh the worst system of play you of, of football you're ever going to see because it isn't. There's a reason why a variant of a diamond formation has been used by some of the best managers in the world. It's because it swells in the midfield. You overload your opponent, your opposition in midfield, and then theoretically should have your fullbacks overlapping to create that width in the last second. The issue we had yesterday is that one, our fullbacks did not get it to in- get in advanced wide positions. They were receiving the ball far too. Uh, further back in, back in the field and then charging up the field they should be receiving it in advanced positions our midfield cannot hold on to the ball for more than two seconds um i don't know what your thoughts on on jordan cousins were was um i wasn't overly impressed but i thought that i don't want to just sit and slag joe allen off but i thought joe allen positionally was just all over the place he 
he runs around, and I get that that's why people like him, but he, he, he there is no discipline to what he does. His positioning, there, there is no discipline. And then, and thirdly, our strikers cannot control the ball. Like, granted, half of our passes up to him are just willy-nilly and they bounce off them, but we we struggle to to get the ball, control it. Second, a big issue with mine in the last few seasons has been our players' ability to win second balls. We're still not able, able to do that. Um yeah, it, it's, it's really frustrating. It's not a... The, the, the issue is not the diamond formation as such. I think the issue yesterday is one of performance-based. And I think there are simple things you can do to change that while we're maintaining a diamond position to make it fruitful. Um, I don't think throwing it out the window and replacing it with a 4-3-3 or a 4-2-3-1 or going three at the back solves the, the issues because the issues are one of um of, of the of the players now whether you put that down to the players can't no do you know what i'm gonna say people a big thing i've seen is the players can't play the system well they can because they're professional footballers and we're not asking them to this isn't suddenly like learning an entirely new language they've been asked to press before they they shouldn't know how to control the bloody ball like it, it's frustrating yes and i get why people are annoyed and i get why people are pissed off that it's oh, same old same old same old but you can't just throw out something we're working on a work in progress it took loot and 18 months to get to a point where they were really fluent in the championship and uh, not in the chess sorry in 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 terms of in, the, in League, two. League Two and League One last season, they well, oh, Tom Thrower sent me the details earlier, and I've forgotten. But they like lost, <laughs> lost like what two games or something ridiculous. It takes time to get proficient in a system, and now I'm not saying we need to wait 18 months. But equally, there is a there is a middle ground between 18 months and game one of the season. But then there is also a, a middle ground between. And this isn't necessarily my viewpoint, but there is a middle ground. There has to be a middle ground between not getting a system at all, a la when Nathan Jones shows up, and then getting the system. Like this is, the, I think the main problem is that we we are currently seemingly closer to zero. Still, if it's zero to one, being one being the perfect four four two diamond, we still it still feels closer to zero. I think one of the most frustrating things for me watching it on the stream, as I did, was. So many times the ball was played forward, I was like, right, yes, get up to Voxy, Voxy will take it down, and we'll, we'll go from there. Every time, it's seemingly, it's going to Benekophobi. There is a reason why Nathan Jones employs big man, small man up front, and it's not to play the ball up to the small man. I, I just, I don't, I, I don't know if that's the problem with the pass, or the problem with Voxy and the phobie for communication. I don't know what it is, but every single time the, the camera seemed to sweep towards the strikers, it'd be like, oh, there it is again, a phobie, trying to come, like, trying to beat the defenders to the ball, and it's, it's just not going to happen. I think the problem with me for Cousins and Allen probably at times, and I'm sure Klukas and Powell, but I sort of saw it more from Allen and Cousins, was so many times it, it, it seemed like they were so just slow on the ball, and, and this is something that we've seen so many times. It's just taking two, three touches, and, and it's not even like quick. It just, it just seems like they're getting the ball, they're looking around then, and then they're choosing the pass. I was taught from a young age that when you... 
like the professional footballers, the upper echelon of footballers, which we should have, know where they're going to play the ball before they play it. And Stoke City Football Club, for the last four years, do not know where the ball is going before the ball comes to them. And that is for the whole squad. But I think for me, if Cousins is coming in as like a specialist, and again, you, you don't want to be harsh on him because it's his first game in Stoke, but if, if that's his position is to sort of take the ball from the defence into the attack then it needs to be quicker. And that's the same for Allen. That's probably the same for Klukas at times and same for Powell. But um, they were my two sort of big problems. And I don't think that's a system. That is the players that need to switch on a bit. They need to get some form. And I don't care how it happens. It, we've come in for another disappointing start. And, it, and that's, it is frustrating. But I don't think it's a system as well. I'm, I agree with Chris there. Yeah, I, I, I'd, broad, I'd broadly agree uh, with that as well. Um, I, I, I don't think chucking the diamond now is at all a sensible idea um we'll, we'll go on to like the fact that we played a bit better well I think I'll just kind of maybe summarize my thoughts on the fact we played a bit better when we made all those changes that was because we'd hit the panic button it reminded me a lot of what we do on, in the early games under Rowett where we'd go 2-0 down hit the panic button throw everyone forward and oh look we, we scored one so that maybe papered over the cracks a bit I, I think maybe people have been a bit harsh on Cousins. I thought he was, I thought he was all right. I thought a lot of the times when he was maybe in a bit of trouble, he was covering for someone else. And I also think um, what maybe hampered him was uh, the fullbacks not doing the Nathan Jones fullback thing of getting up and down the lines enough. Uh, I think Tommy Smith did do that second half uh, more frequently, but. McLean seemed a bit too central at times. I don't really... McLean at left-back is a whole uh, other kettle of fish that has been a, a concern throughout the summer. Um, I, thought, I thought QPR clearly targeted McLean there. I thought he had a really poor game in terms of just his distribution and everything else. And so when Cousins got the ball, he wasn't having those uh, overlapping fullbacks as options as often as he would have liked. Um Maybe is the problem with the diamond that it's built for James Justin and Jack Stacey and, and Luton's fullbacks. Yeah. I, I bloody hope not, because if so, we're screwed. Um, so yeah, that that was possibly why I defend Cousins would be that uh, maybe he was kind of let yeah. down by players around him. I thought in general his passing was tidy and he and he kind of wanted the ball. Uh, Centre halves were fine. Um, I thought. Nick Powell, I, I, I was it you Ben who said about the kind of not, there were moments of interplaying with Clucas uh, and yeah. I I got that but I I think second half especially he just became very lead footed he wasn't he wasn't getting on the ball he wasn't doing enough with it I think he does have a good delivery on him and I'm, I'm kind of hopeful with him over a dead ball more so than Clucas or Ince for example. I think that could be something that's beneficial for us down the line. But I thought, yeah, he was probably okay to come off. I thought both the strikers were appalling. They, mm-hmm. uh, But again, with all this, none of it was really lack of desire or passion or, you know, anything like this that we've talked about in the past. It was, it was just, it was jittery. It was panicky. We, everything was kind of half-baked. So Sam Vokes's role as the target man when the ball did go up to him he wasn't properly committing himself to to winning the ball it was it was kind of a half jump or or a half effort made to get the ball um 
when it came to passing the ball in between the diamonds, there was there wasn't enough kind of showing for the ball. There wasn't enough movement from either the the wing backs or the uh, players in the middle. Uh, Joe Allen, I thought he hid, and that's not something we say about Joe Allen. I thought he hid when McLean had the ball or a centre half had the ball. He'd he'd like stand behind a QPR player. That's not what I want to see from Joe Allen. I want to see him want to be on the ball. I thought it was it was a really really poor performance uh, defensively as well as in possession. Yeah, there was just so much going wrong uh, all over the park. Um, what, okay, so maybe go, re, re, if we rotate back to the positives and talk about how it changed uh, when we brought Ince and Ince and the like on. Are we saying, Chris, that we need to change the personnel up from the next game? Because it is quite a big call after one game to, to chop and change your your personnel and possibly your front two straight away. It it is a big call, but the the reason you have the reason you have two players in every position is to, to push others into um you know, to, to make everyone compete and a phobia invokes didn't prove themselves to be starting material whereas Campbell and Gregory did um i think if 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 you're asking players who come on as subs you know show me what what you've got and they put in a good performance then there, there is it's a clean slate isn't it at the start of the season they, they may go on start in the next game and find themselves to be so great that they become our first uh our first team strikers it's I think there's everything to play for for these players, and and yeah, I do think that um, personnel-wise, you you have to have the threat of you don't play well, we'll replace you in the next game. That's got to be something that that hangs over players for motivation's sake, surely. Um, so I do think that those front two change in the next game. I would. Probably on yesterday's performance, like to see Edwards come in for Smith because I thought, like your comment about Joe Allen looking scared, I thought Smith looked looked nervous as hell yesterday. I thought he he wasn't going going forward as we'd seen him do in preseason. Um, he like McLean, neither fullback went too far up the pitch, and and that. That annoyed me. I think if you want to have wing backs, full backs, whatever, who are creative in an attacking sense, Edwards showed himself to be that last season. So, so yeah, I would replace those three, definitely. Um, Ince, I thought Ince showed a bit of spark when he came on. Um, yeah, it's it's an interesting one. I don't know who you'd who you'd put in uh, you. Surely put Ince in for Powell, but I didn't think that Powell was was actually that bad yesterday. To be fair, I think the the worry is with the reason why, and this might be slightly going off the point, but just thinking there with the fullback situation. You mentioned Smith, and I think McLean has. I mean, it, it wasn't a great performance. I'm sure he'd say that himself. Um, it must be difficult, especially when McLean isn't a left back. Nathan Jones is basically giving them the free reign to go forward but it must be difficult for them knowing that they're going forward there's literally no one behind them Mm. if 
and they've got two great players on the wide QPR. Let's be honest, they they looked exciting. They looked like players that I'd love to see in a soak shirt because they were just running forward and doing bits. If if you're McLean and probably well Smith as a right back as well, why would he sort of be have the confidence straight away to just leave that position? Um, so maybe it's the sort of the question. The, the big question mark is over them being like you need to. They need to have the confidence to go. Actually, I'm gonna go forward. I'm gonna support those runs. And if they get the ball back and they go break, then it's a Joe Allen's job or it's a Cousins' job to cover. I don't. I don't know what it. I'm sure that is the system. But at the same time, then you've got Allen going forward because they were trying to create something. There's a lot of trust in this formation. I think of someone else coming to cover your back. So I think maybe that's the biggest question mark in a lot of these players' minds, especially the fullbacks, is if they go forward, who's covering that position? Who's covering yeah. my back so I don't look like I'm in the wrong? Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree with that. But I do think it when the fullbacks go forward, the fullbacks oh, almost... Their primary job almost is to attack in this system. And your two midfielders, your Klukas and your Joe Allens, it's their job to cover those positions and to use their legs and get back in an attacking sense if if you if you imagine in your mind's eye for me now that that final third of the pitch i'll describe it to you when your fullback is getting to the uh, let's we'll use james mclean he's got to the left hand side of the box just near the byline and he's going to cross it back into the center that's ideally you want him in that position the players in the box should be your two strikers, your attacking midfielder attacking it from late, and your other midfielders, your Allen, your Klukases, should be hanging around outside the box, and your defensive midfielder should be further back. That's how it should set up in that attacking sense. Mm-hmm. Joe Allen and Klukas shouldn't be going into the box. Well, I mean, there'll, there'll be occasions where they do and it'll be successful, but... In in an in an ideal setup, the ball should be going to your your two strikers, one of which is coming onto the ball. One of them's attacking it a little bit later. Your attacking midfielder is somewhere around that box. You've got three players there to aim for. Your midfielders should really be hanging around for second balls to recycle it back out to your fullbacks to cross it back in or to play a clever pass through, um, and then being able to get back if there's a breakaway. It's and that all sounds very exciting. Like if that's that sounds to me, that's like basketball. It's like the players in basketball hanging around the hoop, and it's like everyone is there to attack in that position. If if we can do it like that, and that's why I don't want to throw out the system because honestly, I saw the other thing I saw in my podcast feed is I still have got so I still had like thirty seconds left of the of the Luton Town when Nathan Jones first got given the job, and it started playing that that podcast, and I was like, oh my god. Remember how happy everyone was when when we were hearing those stories of Nathan Jones football. We were watching those videos, thinking, "Oh my God, that's going to be mm-hmm. Stoke," and it's still not Stoke. And but we've got a, we've got a dream still. It's the same message, that's really. It. Like you've got to hope that Nathan Jones can do whatever he needs to do to McLean, to whoever. Uh, and if we get any signings in, I'm not even sure if I don't I don't even know if it's right to get signings in at this stage. But I mean, even mm. even then, so it, just to throw back to my my ideal analogy, even then, if the ball gets countered attack. What you're supposed to have then is your two central two central defenders with the defensive midfielder a little bit further forward from them, but essentially a back three mm. than with your goalkeeper. Those they should be there in the first instance, and then your midfielders should follow the counter attack back. There should be enough players there 
if you look at the second goal yesterday, and yeah. someone on Twitter did a really good illustration of it, Joe Allen doesn't commit to going in for the ball, which allows QPR to pass to Easy, and he scores that lovely little run that could have yeah. been stopped at like four, three, four other occasions. It could have been stopped along the way. It. And there's that 100% trust thing, though, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because if you've got that one man in this system, in the system that Nathan Jones plays, if you've not got 10 men, outfield men, playing the system to the absolute perfection, then there's going to be a problem. And that's what happened to us yesterday. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, also yesterday, we had the one man in goal also (laughs) deciding that he wanted to press for some reason. Yeah, it's Johnny Potter 87 who posted that kind of thread detailing the mistakes Mm. on Twitter. Basically... um, the the pressing in the first instance first from a phobia and then Allen is is criminal and then the you you notice the the diamond kind of loses its shape uh, it allows that space for easy so yeah we, we we kind of um so we've talked about how the the fullbacks in the diamond sh- uh, in the in the system should work um but clearly they didn't yesterday which meant that kind of in the in the case of both Smith and McLean, they were they were neither one thing nor the other. They weren't whilst they didn't bomb forward often enough. They they weren't uh, you know part of a defensive four either. So it kind of put them in a really crap position a lot of the time. And I think QPR are a bang average side, and I think they could very easily go down this season. But what they did have was two really good players on the wings, uh, Easy and. Uh, Osai Samuel, uh, both really impressive players. And uh, when you've got a, a team who looked as unsure of themselves as we did, they are going to exploit that because uh, QPR, a, a, a team like us, who've had a load of changes, they've got a new manager, they've put in a hell of a load of new players, some of whom I don't think are that good. But they, but what Easy and Osai Samuel have is clearly defined roles. It's like, right, you get the ball and you just scare them. <laughs> And that's what they did. They scared. They scared and the hell out. Scare us. They did. Yeah. Um, and th- and that's why. I, like I said, I, I'm I've faith in the diamond. I don't believe in ripping it up after one game. But McLean at left back is still a big concern for me. And I hope that there can be either in the Charlton game or the game after just something that will just reassure me about uh, McLean in that role because I because he is a winger and you thought that's the best possible version of McLean at left back is a version that allows him to essentially be a winger when we're in possession, but we didn't really see it yesterday. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I, I kind of thought maybe Klukas should be, should be playing that position because uh, it just was not con- convincing at all from, from that point of view. Uh, but I think we've maybe uh, done enough tactically. Oh, I'd, I'd, I'd also say like, like the the front two, um, I can't I can't work out how they're gonna function really, um, because Vokes is a player who relies on crosses into the box, a phobia relies on crosses into the box, and I don't know where the chances are gonna come from. If they if they eventually end up coming from those full backs, then great because that they'll enjoy that. But if if they're gonna be coming through Nick Powell. I don't see us scoring as often with that front two as you would with Tyrese Campbell, who I, th- I think in theory can pounce on a through ball a lot better than a Fobe and uh, Vokes can. So that's a kind of one to ponder 
I, I get why Phoebe and Vogue started because they're kind of the most experienced. They're in, on paper the best players, but uh, Gregory instantly impressed when he came on. Definite John Waters vibes from him. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, we wait to see what happens at Charlton. Just at this midpoint, uh, I'll point out that beer fifty two has started again. So if you want a free case of craft beer. And uh, to join Beer 52, courtesy of your friends at the Wizards of Drivel podcast, go to beer52, that's beer52 in numbers, .com forward slash wizards. And uh, Patreon, we have kind of uh, revamped the Patreon, so there are, are new tiers based on how much you donate. And in theory, I think it's going to be a lot more fair for people who've don- donated more and yeah so we've got three new patreon episodes out already this week so go and check those out and uh, just to see what's going on patreon.com forward slash wizards of drivel now one of the benefits of the uh, patreon tiers is that you get a priority when it comes to correspondence so we'll jump into a couple of patreon questions uh, the first of which is from uh, paul briggs a lot has been made about the, how negative the atmosphere was yesterday. How big of a problem is this? And what can be done to stop it going the way it did for Rowett last season? Uh, massive talking point uh, at the game and after was the was the atmosphere within the ground. And uh, I've got to say, I hated it yesterday. I thought it was just really, really depressing. Uh, booed off at half-time. Uh, booed off at full time. Uh, the Vokes, Vokes going off got a massive boo and some chance of you don't know what you're doing. And then a phobia is uh, quite loudly, and it's not just a you know a small group of idiots doing this. It's it's quite a sizable number of people did like a big ironic cheer for a phobia when he went off as well. Um, what what? <laughs> Am I being a bit too sensitive in like being really, really annoyed by this? Because I think it's just it makes us look entitled and just a, it's just a bit embarrassing. I think mm. it's almost become like our default state now is booing. So I feel mm. like is this just the norm now? Do I just have to accept it? I think so. Unless we are getting booing like that until we have a significantly good run of games slash sort of performances it it's like that needs to be reset out of the system i think otherwise it's just going to continue and what why wouldn't it i mean i'm not saying i agree with it but if we're booing the first day of the season a 2-1 loss which was turgid and, and disappointing but it certainly wasn't sort of it it, it wasn't sort of we didn't lose 5-0 at home to qpi it was it was 2-0 and, and came back to 2-1 and then could have equalised, as you say, at the start of the show with with a couple of opportunities. Um, if we're going to boo at that, then I don't think it's going to change, really. Yeah, I, I'm 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 scared that Ben may be right. I think that it's bollocks, to be honest. Uh, and I think like no no one is saying that people can't be critical and can't be disappointed with the performance but i don't know like it's like having having a child and constantly shouting at them and expecting them to to suddenly greet you <laughs> with with warmth and love like 
if you constantly shower something with negative emotion, then it's not. Oh, oh right, yeah. I'll suddenly be, we'll make it all positive then. It's just I don't know. It, it 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 annoyed me, Dave, for the exact same reasons as I felt it came across as entitlement from from our lot. Um, I thought. I get, I get it. I get why people were annoyed with the performance, and I get the frustration. But I, does it does it help? Does it really help on the the first day of the season to boo and be ever so ever so negative? I don't know. Like I'm, I'm not legislating. I'm not telling people you can't boo. Do what you want. Like if you genuinely, if you're that angry i'd rather you booed than you know got like hurt hurt yourself or something i don't know like did did yourself if, if that is going to be your stay re- safe guys yeah stay, safe. stay I'd, like i i it annoys me but not to the point where i'm going to tell people that oh you're a fake fan or something because people everyone cares and, and i get that i just think that I, I, I think it. Yeah. I think it's misdirected. There's a comment yeah. here from um, Mr. Orange on Twitter. Was Jones naive to lay down all the promises he made from the start? Also, think fans were well in their right to boo. Three fucking years of this, another bumbling start, and another summer of false promises made by all staff. But you can't uh, again. You can't say fine. You, but you 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 can't say three years of this, and you can't lay all that on the current team because this team and this manager have not been here for all three years. Like, there's there's expressing your dis, dissatisfaction with how the club has been run over these past three years, which I'm totally on board with. You look at where we were three years ago compared to now, it's, it's, it's a farce, it's a joke. I completely get that. But Nathan Jones and this squad, this squad including like six players newly signed four of them making their debut all the rest of it these people aren't responsible for where we are now and i also think we finished 16th in the championship last season where's the kind of kind of acceptance of that yeah. it's, it's like we we still think we we are a, a premier league club in some ways the, the, i think i made this point on twitter last night there is no clean break from the past Jones's team gets shit that Rowett's team, you know, they, they inherit the baggage from Rowett's team. Rowett's team inherited the baggage from Lambert. Lambert inherited the baggage from Hughes. And there's, it's just this cycle that keeps rolling on and on and on. And by all means, yes, that that performance yesterday was crap. And I, I understand booing it, but I don't get absolutely piling in on a fairly correct substitution call to take Sam Vokes off, who was pretty shit. And what what yeah. what possible help is that? I I just baffles me. And I thought I think if you're Benekafobe and you have a, that performance he had, you are more susceptible to it than if Tom Edwards has an equally bad performance because people have already made up their mind about certain players. So Benekafobe, fair game for all the way get him off his shit. You know, ironic cheers. Whereas someone like Tom Edwards, for example, he is never going to get that in a million no. years. No, no, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're, you're exactly, you're exactly right with that. Um, m- with regards to Mr. Orange's his comments, I also don't think that you can say that it's another bumbling star after a summer of false promises because it's one 
game into the season. One game into the season. Need I remind like our our podcast listeners that we always we always like to be told that football was best back in the nineties and that we always oh that was when it was proper. If you didn't experience Stoke during our you know when Mark Steen was there, then it's not as good. Well, when we were promoted in ninety two, ninety three, whatever. Uh, what did we lose? Oh no, we won one of our first seven games. Like you can't judge things this early. The only thing I would say is, and this is this is a purely personal thing, um, was Jones naive to lay down all the promises he made from the start? I would personally prefer us to almost undersell it and then overachieve than overpromise and fall short. But then equally, if he'd have come out and said, I think he has. Do you think? I think he. I think he has uh, done that. I think he has tempered expectation. What, what, what is, what is, it? What is his promise? His, ca- his catchphrase is the process. Uh, yeah. the, the process, God willing, give me time. We, yeah. We're gonna. We're going yeah. to build a club. He's. He's not saying we are there yet. I don't think. I. Ho- I. I hope he hasn't. And by all what, means, what is the things that he's actually promised? <laughs> he, cause what I remember is a team that we're going to be proud of, yeah. which is certainly not the case at the moment. And I'm not. Um, I agree. I think we're still on that journey. I just hope that we get given that we get given that opportunity for a journey, and we don't give up on it. I still believe. The that. only thing I can think of is is that he's alluded to the fact that this is a club that should be aiming for promotion, that should be in the Premier League. And if he'd have said, oh "God, imagine if Nathan Jones had come out and said, well, actually, this year we're just going to concentrate on getting things better, and we're not going to think about promotion," there'd be people. Not granted, not everyone, but there would be people like say, oh, no ambition again from the club. This is yep. typical. Coates isn't signing the players. Absolutely. Oh, they've got a yes man. It would have just been the same thing. You're never gonna. Pl- Let's be honest. We're never gonna please everyone. The fan base is a huge and diverse in opinion, and that is that is absolutely fine and great. In fact, because it inspires these discussions. But I, uh, yeah, it's it, football's a motive. It was a bit of a. It was a shitty loss. Everyone's entitled to be angry, but I think, <laughs> I think you need to reflect on it with a bit of logic and a bit of, of thoughtfulness. He says, getting his blood pressure high, ranting now on a podcast. <laughs> yeah, but it, yeah. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll bring your blood pressure down. Um, I'll, I'll point out that, okay, yes, disappointing result. Uh, Fulham lost at Barnsley yesterday. Brentford lost yep. at home to Birmingham City. Preston well lost predicted. at Millwall. Cardiff City lost at Wigan. All kind of tipped relegation battling sides have beaten tipped top six or above tipped sides. So that's something to kind of maybe calm everyone down. You do get these things so, on the opening day. Do you remember that time Norwich lost 7-0 and then still won the league? I'm, I'm not, what I'm you're not saying, saying, Dave, is I, that everyone needs to sack their managers, <laughs> needs to throw out their systems that their managers have worked on in pre-season and completely start again. Yes, exactly that. I, I hope that's what Fulham do. <laughs> um, yeah, I, we'll, we'll kind of take a so, um, trip uh, back to the Patreon uh, questions from Nathan Eason. If you had to buy a shirt today, hoping to wear it with pride for the next two to three years, with a player's name and number on, which would it be out of this squad? Who is the fans' favourite? I can only think of Edwards for the local boy done good factor. Uh, I think it, whilst it's a question about wearing shirts, it does kind of raise an interesting point about kind of uh, the disconnect with the current team and all the rest of it. But I, th- I think there are individuals here who we can 
get behind. Like I mentioned, Lee Gregory, I think we're going to proper fall in love with Greggy this season. I think he's got all the makings of a fan's favourite right away. Um, if I had to get a shirt right now, I mean, I'm not really one for wearing current players because I've been burnt before. <laughs> uh, Ngoy, Tunchai, BT, Bangora. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Uh, Etibo. I mean, he yeah. might not stay for the two, three years, but he's just the best player, isn't he? Yeah. I think if you're taking the opinion of the sort of the people in the stadium, then it's got to be Joe Allen, hasn't it? <laughs> Man of the match yesterday, Ben. If we're being match. honest. I know, exactly. So he's, he's getting votes week in, week out from no one. He might They might not have the loudest, the loudest voice on Twitter or the podcast, but there are certainly people out there who are loving Joe Allen still, mm. despite all of the evidence. Mm. Okay, we'll move on to some uh, Twitter questions. Uh, Rupert, why is Joe Allen seemingly undroppable? (laughs) Yes, he runs around a lot, but he generally offers very little. His second touch is usually a tackle. We don't need strikers at this club. We need midfielders with some creativity. I think I've I've said my piece on Joe Allen. I thought he was shit yesterday. I thought he hid. He's pressing... If he, he, he was half pressing. It was it was not proper pressing. Either stand off your man and occupy a position that will help the team defensively, or actually press. Don't do this weird halfway house thing that you did for the second goal. Uh, yeah, I thought he hid. Uh, but he, he, I think maybe he did get a bit better in the second half when we were all all guns blazing going forward. Yeah. Um, I don't know what he needs to do to get dropped. I don't think he'll ever be dropped. I don't know what's going on. Uh, <laughs> like, he, he is a good player, right? He he must be. He must be bizarre for for him to stay in the team. Like, I'm, I I will happily confirm my bias that I. I, I you're I, an Alan skeptic. I am right after after everything I have seen. I struggle to to watch the same match that people did yesterday and see a man of the match performance. Like I yeah. struggle to mm. watch that performance yesterday and not see one of the worst players in the team, let alone the best person in the team. I find it I find it m- mad, and I I don't know what metric other than well he's he's energetic that the the, the that people measure him on as a as a as a modicum of success. Like my three year old runs around, but <laughs> I don't mean don't mean she's like she's she's full of energy, and I think she'd probably have the same effect as Joe Allen in the midfield at the moment because he just we're not having we're not having another Brammer in midfield. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but no, Jen, I. I mean, this is now an open invitation. Anyone who thinks that Joe Allen is 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 really good for the team and can can <laughs> cite me with something more than a generic "oh, well, he's chipped in with goals." Because as we've discussed before, the the chipping in with goals hasn't actually been conducive to good performances and hasn't actually made us a better team. It's that. Like if if that's the only reason we're keeping him in, I would rather sacrifice his goals and get a better performance and goals chipped in from otherwhere. 
I'm on Twitter, at Bramard. Talk to me. I really want to understand this viewpoint because I do not get it. I just don't understand what people are seeing to, to warrant a man-of-the-match performance. Like, please, someone explain it to me. Question from Wayne. Why do we have to have an apocalyptic meltdown after one disappointing game? Are Stoke fans just masochists? Uh, yes to the second question, uh, but why Why do you have to have an apocalyptic meltdown after one game? I suppose uh, to sympathise with uh, the Boo Boys, uh, it is kind of residual from last season being so disappointed, the season before being so disappointing. So I, I get it, and I also get the, uh, oh, uh, well, Nathan Jones... Uh, diamond this diamond that uh, for the last few months and then we start against a pretty crap QPR team and lose I get that as well so I understand but I I, I agree I don't think uh, this requires a a full scale rip it all up and start again meltdown I think we all need to take a deep breath it is annoying it's it's like you know for the past few weeks you've been building up to it you've really excited winnable first home game great that football's back and then just kind of it's like stubbing your toe when you step out of bed in the morning isn't it it's just really fucking annoying but here we are we've there's, we've got to move on there's a peter smith article that's just dropped saying that we want to get up to three new signings oh hello with bruno martins indy ryan woods and badu endai nearing the exit door that's the headline. Well, it's not the actual headline because it's the Sentinels, but that is the headline. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, I'll look so. at that while uh, you guys talk about this question from Jimmy. <laughs> I really want to buy into everything Nathan Jones says, but taking Powell off when he'd been pretty positive on the ball was slightly criminal. The cheering of Vophobe is also peak Stoke fans. He didn't have the best game, but what happened to getting behind the players... Uh, and a related one from Dom. It's more of a statement than a question, but why are why are our, our fan base so quick to judge? Thought we'd s- said we'd all give Jones time to do well this season, so I judge him after one game. I think I think we've I think we've pretty much answered that we've, as well. It's, we've answered those. We I have, think. but it's it's residual, isn't it? Like it's it's we've said on this podcast before that uh, I think when we were trying to get Mark Hughes out that that seasons are not. Singular, singular entities. It's not a case of that season finished, we've bolted it shut and no one's going to think about it or remember it. Time is continuous, as and that. <laughs> and the people remember last season. It weren't that long ago. So, of course, feelings are going to carry over. And, and so I am sympathetic to the people who are like, well, Nathan Jones has been in here since January and we haven't seen any improvements in that, in that time, really. I, I get it. Um, but then there was always going to be patience from the board. We were always told that the the well, we weren't we weren't told, but there was the impression that promotion wasn't a a wasn't going to be on the cards. We weren't going to sack Nathan Jones if we didn't get promoted last season. We were going to let mm. him build this squad. Uh, in this w- window, this window was always going to be the 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 starting point. Everything else was a prequel. Like this is yeah, this is where the film starts off now. And uh, yeah, judge judge this team further down the line, not after this 
this one game. Again, I completely get it. I get why people think that it's been shit since January because results haven't been that good. But you can't look at this QPR game as a continuation of last season. No. We've had three months off. The squad's been changed. The system's been changed. You can't see this as one continuous thread. Mm-hmm. Nathan Jones' job last season is completely different to the one he's being asked to do this season. And, uh, so, And listen to the players. Listen to what they're saying. Listen to everything that's been said in pre-season. Yeah. Take your mind back a, a few weeks ago when you felt positive and you were hearing players say that this is a great atmosphere to be a part of. Like, I'm, I'm begrudging to say just... Just have a tiny bit of faith in that this one afternoon of 90 minutes isn't reflective. If if I, I may well be wrong with that, and that is totally fine. I'm not a prophet. I am not going to say I'm absolutely <laughs> That's well. as humble as he gets. Yeah. <laughs> God willing. I'm not going to say that we, we in this podcast know everything about football because by God we do not. And I could very well be wrong. But I don't think that these night, this match yesterday is a ample sample size to judge things on. Judge things, God, if 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 at earliest, judge it in January. But equally, like I reiterate, it took Luton eighteen months. Like it's, mm. it takes time to those, those things. The, the issues we have with midfield, not knowing where to be, that takes time. Takes time to for players to understand. Oh shit! Yeah, it, at that point, I need to be in that. You need to. It, you need the management going back to these players this week with video saying, "Ah, seeing this bit. Really, we want you to be further this close to this player, or you need to be following this runner." It we takes... need to build up muscle memory. Yeah, muscle memory takes ages and ages and ages to build up. And I know it, it's not like. Uh, I was watching the cricket today. It's not like a bowler repeating the same action over and over again, but you repeat a lot of actions on the football pitch over the course of a season, which is why the the best players tend to progress as the season goes on. Yes, like Harry Kane. Harry Kane in August is typically shit, and he he hasn't found his his form correctly. But by March, April, he's absolutely banging them in. But you know, that, that's just one example. But you know, things like muscle memory, yeah. things like Completely. knowing your role, that takes time to develop. Uh, one kind of last question, Connor. How how much more attacking were we when we were, when we ditched the diamond? Coincidence? No, it's not a coincidence. But that's it's because we were two 0 down and threw three attacking players on in the hope of getting goals. It's not. It's I, not just <coughs> oh d- diamond gone, therefore good. Do you know what I, I would? Al- I'd also argue that what we did didn't actually deviate much from a diamond. Like I under. No, I also thought because, that as well. I don't think it was that far because, away. Just because, just because Tom Ince came on and started playing a little bit further to the right. Now he was, in, in my mind, when he came on and went there, he was playing as the right-sided, almost a striker, almost, and doing what he naturally does, going wide and then coming back in. I still thought that your fullbacks pushed up at that point. I didn't think it was too far removed. I thought Gregory was playing that little bit deeper, just doing a bit more link-up play. I. I didn't see it as this drastic change from a diamond. I just saw it as... I'm glad it's not just yeah, me. That's exactly what I I just thought, thought that they'd, to use uh, a, a football manager term, I just thought they'd click the overload button and they were just f- throwing <laughs> people forward. It wasn't that he changed that. the system completely. They just 
started all just running in an attacking <laughs> way. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, completely fair enough. Uh, I'll, I'll mention this Pete Smith article uh, then. Stoke City are expected to sell before they buy in the last four days of the transfer window. Nathan Jones is still keen to add up to three new signings to bolster a squad that lost its opening day fixture. There have been links for Burnley centre-back Kevin Long and Crystal Palace striker Connor Wickham, while another defensive midfielder is expected to be on the agenda. Uh, defensive midfielder, quite positive about that. I, I didn't think Cousins was necessarily as bad as some people have made out, but uh, I, I would definitely be open to signing a defensive midfielder. Connor Wickham is an odd one. I don't get it. Very weird. Really. So weird. I, Why are they weird? <laughs> I don't know. Why can't it, they just be normal signing? It was like Dwight Gale, I thought, well, we don't need a striker and 20 million is an awful lot, but I kind of get the attraction, the lure of Dwight Gale for a championship side. That's quite exciting, I suppose. But Connor Wickham is just not that yeah. at all. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the one thing that made me sort of... I, I, I think the same about Connor Wickham because he's Connor Wickham. Um, but the sort of links with Connor Wickham said that Bristol City were also interested and that kind of made me have a bit more faith because I was like, well, Bristol City are quite famous for being a quite solid championship side who sign well. And I was like, if they know what they're doing, maybe I trust Bristol City more than I trust my own team, which is the weirdest thing. And what an awful position to be in yeah, after a year of being in the championship. If Bloody we, hell. We can copy the transfer targets of Bristol City and Bristol Brentford City. and just all these exciting progressive the championship clubs. We'll just do that. Uh, yeah, so that's that. Um, we'll end on some happy notes. Uh, uh, so, obviously, Charlton next game. Uh, uh, first trip to Charlton in a while, certainly in the league. Uh, so, you know, enjoy yourself if you're going down there. Uh, but happier notes. Uh, first of all, I paid for a concourse pint on my card yesterday. Yeah, it's the future. Out. It worked fine. Uh, my overpriced pedigree tasted all the sweeter uh, for it. So, uh, welcome to the future, Stoke City. Uh, well done. Uh, the only thing they let us down yesterday was they had the cricket on in the concourse and then uh, changed the channel at like two fifteen so we could watch the you know that not just Soccer Saturday but the adverts leading into Soccer Soccer Saturday. Which put the cricket on. Nobody's asked about Salford v Stevenage. No one's asked about. <laughs> Watching uh, Jeff Stelling in mute as well, so just, just put the cricket on. Let's be grown ups. Um, uh, so contactless payment was a positive, and the final positive kind of thing to end the show on is that we to are Stoke fans. Yeah, we did it. I mean, they haven't officially declared, but they they've as good as done it. Uh, ben, Ben, I don't know how we. Ex- but have you been following this? Because it's pretty difficult to explain otherwise. I have, I have been following this. Don't worry. I, I know exactly what's going on with Wheater suddenly becoming Stoke City fans. I just, goodness me! I just we'll getting them on the pod soon. Oh my god! I would, I would love that. But I mean, small steps. It's what it just blew my mind that well, one that the club tweeted about the club it. tweeted us. Which means (laughs) weirdos. Yeah, which means which means two things. Okay, it means that one, someone in the club is thinking that about Wheatus being Stoke fans. But the more important thing is someone is listening to us in the club. We know this. We know know this from Beer Fifty Two. Our sponsors have 
confirmed to well, I I don't think this is crossing any kind of GDPR lines, but they've pretty they've confirmed to us that someone within the club took advantage of the beer fifty two <laughs> offer last season. So wow, we know you're out there. Make Listen, yourself known. Reveal yourself. Don't, I mean, is it is is it the groundsman? Is it Nathan <sighs> Jones? Oh, Nathan, Nathan, Nathan. Just get in touch. Come on, the pod. Yeah. Genuinely, process, oh my! I reckon it's Nathan. I back it. Back in Nathan. I want, I'd, I'd have Nathan Jones on this podcast. S- I'd have those, Nathan those Jones. Those Sunderland lot get like people chairman, chairman yeah. on. Uh, what's it? The Fulhamish people get their chairman on. I'm not saying Peter Coach, you need to spend your time with us talking about Wheatus, but Nathan Jones, you might be into that. So just. Send us a little. I think Nathan Jones message. is more likely to know what a podcast is than yes. Peter Coates. Yeah, just might be being slightly ageist there, but maybe. Uh, which of the current squad of the current playing squad would you say is most likely to listen to podcasts in their downtime? Obviously, Crouchy's gone, so you can't can't say him anymore. Goodness it's me! What a question. About. Hmm. I reckon Jack Butland might listen to like. I could see Jack Butland listening to Flint Off Sav, <laughs> yes. ping pong guy, yeah. whatever it's called. Definitely, yeah, but yeah, Butland will listen to that and the Peter Crouch podcast. Yeah. I reckon, you know, I reckon someone like, I reckon McLean uh, would be into like serial and true crime stuff. <laughs> Dan, Dan, yeah, I think that'd yeah. be your, up his street. He's well into hardcore history. Is what he's into. (laughs) (laughs) It's what gets him in the mood. Four hours of Dan Carlin's voice just talking about Imperial Japan in the 1920s. (laughs) Ryan Woods strikes me as someone maybe who's... uh, I don't know what he'd listen to. Probably Adam Buxton or something. Off Menu with Ed Gamble and James Acaster. something like that. Ryan Woods. Any show that involves comedians talking to other comedians, I think Ryan Woods... Would uh, would be down for? They well they there's. I don't think I don't think our squad is very podcast. I really don't. No. Thinking about it, I'm like I'm struggling. Mm. I'm like looking at it. And I'm like, well, does Tom Edwards listen to podcasts? I don't. Think I don't does. think so. Well, maybe Mister or Mrs. Person who's listening at the club. Mm. Maybe <laughs> share this podcast with your your friends at work. And do you remember? Oh gosh, many years ago, Jamie Oliver did a series based around where I live, where it was trying to teach um, uh, poor people of Rotherham how to cook. That was the premise of it. Oh, yeah, and his well, idea oh, was J- Jamie Oliver has a go at the poor. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Was that, it one of that, those one, that one where it's like you, you just need God. You guys who have no like income coming, why don't you spend sixty quid on a pan for fuck's sake? Um, that one, <laughs> yeah. But his his premise was you learn. A recipe, you pass it on. This case, you find a podcast, you pass it on. Uh, and you don't need to be as condescending as Jamie Oliver was. Yeah. Yeah, obviously they all listen to Wizards of Drivel, which we didn't say. We didn't, I think all the playing staff are avid listeners. I think they play it in Wizards. the dressing room beforehand, and that's why we've been terrible for the last three oh, and a half God. seasons. Joe, Joe, Joe Allen just gets really sad in the corner <laughs> and then just is forced to just go on the pitch oh. and just run around trying to forget all the feelings oh. that he has because we've just absolutely ripped them to shreds. I don't wanna... We forced Charlie Adam out, didn't we? So Yeah, we were successful yeah, there. Well, good, good work. <laughs> we... <Yeah. laughs> we... The thing is, 
Maybe, maybe Gregory is a podcast listener. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I feel like I know nothing about him. I think he definitely listens to My Dad Wrote a Porno. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, like, he tweeted about My Dad Wrote a Porno about a month ago, being like, oh my God, have you guys heard about My Dad Wrote a Porno? That's <laughs> five, what he did. Five series in or whatever we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's this sick new podcast, mate. <laughs> God, we're just being insulting now. We're just we're just insinuating that listening to podcasts in some form of intelligence, I think, oh, is, what, is what is happening in my mind. <laughs> we're just like Loki having a go at some of our players yeah. by implying they don't listen to podcasts. Yeah. But so good news, guys! Everyone listening, you're all intelligent. <laughs> yes. Well done. We're all in it together. Oh God. Um, but by all means, get in touch with your Stoke players and what podcasts you suspect they listen to, because that, yes. that's a goldmine of uh, mid-morning matters style <laughs> radio content. <laughs> Player and podcast, go. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's time to probably end the show now. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, as always, uh, there are new episodes of the Stoke City Years uh, and an inter- oh, uh, I should mention one of the other Patreon episodes we've got up on there is an interview with. Uh, Alfie Potts Harmer, who has written a biography of uh, the great Neil Franklin. So I think that book is out very soon called uh, England's Greatest Defender. So definitely uh, check that out. Uh, thank you to Merriman for our theme tune. Uh, reminded that beer52.com slash wizards is back for a new s- season. So uh, take advantage of that if you want. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Ben. Good to have you back, Ben. It's been way too long. Thanks. I know it has. It's been it's been very enjoyable. What a wonderful time. <laughs> what what a what a wonderful time. Full stop. What a, what a wonderful time, indeed. Uh, cheers, everyone. Go on, Stoke. Do you remember the town? Do you remember scratching bags with the tip of the tap before the dawn? Dressing gown. Oh, oh, oh. come see the dust in the barrel of toaster bats. And I don't mean your dead skin cells, I mean the soul of the working class. It's a shame that we're the men who wells in a cynical age. But if it's easier and please you, sir, we'll let it all slip away. Second coming, maybe some intervention from above